Hey friends, how you doing? Good? All right. Yeah, well, happy 4th of July weekend. Good to be with you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for you who are watching online. We're really grateful to be with you. Um, one of the things that I really appreciate about this weekend is the freedom that we have to worship in our country. And I think this is the most important freedom that God has given us that our country acknowledges. And as we exercise it, we maintain it. Freedoms that aren't exercised get lost. And so it's good to be in worship with you this weekend. So when I was in college, I had a buddy who, he, he sailed on catamarans. And I got invited to go out with him a couple different times. And so we um, got to the dock and we rented the catamaran and we got our life vests on and we got on the cat. And if you haven't seen one, it's like two pontoons and this piece of fabric really stretched out tight over it. And then there's a sail sticking up in the middle. And so we're, we're in the bay in this catamaran and we're kind of headed out towards open water. And, and he looks over at me and he says, you know, hey, slide over here and hang on. And I don't know exactly what he did, but whatever he did, the wind just filled the sail and, and we just took off. And so we were, we were just flying across the water and he said, lean back, so we lean back, so we lean back, the pond goes up on one pontoon, which is really like, that's what you're looking for if you're on, the, on a cat, is trying to get that thing up in the air. So, so we're leaning back, balanced with our body weight. And we just had this, this great hour, a couple hours out there on the catamaran. And my friend was nice enough to do that with me several weekends in a row. Then one weekend rolled around and for, we were in college for whatever reason, he felt like he had to study on a particular Saturday. And, um, but I wanted to go ride on the cats. And so I recruited another friend who had been out a few times and to go with me. And so we went to the dock and we rented the catamaran. We put our life vests on and we got on the cat and we started kind of making our way out to open water in the bay. And this time it was different you know, for, for whatever reason. And we kind of talking to each other about how this isn't the experience we've had before. And we thought, well, there must not be as much wind today. And so we were, we were kind of making our way out there and we, we'd almost kind of get it going. And then the sail would go slack and we just, we started to get, we were disappointed because, you know, we'd come all this way and we'd spent some money and we were, you know, and nothing was happening. And that disappointment led to frustration. And then it, just, it got downright aggravating because we were like, there's no wind out here today. And, and just a little ways away from us, there were these two dudes on the same kind of catamaran that we were in. And they were, they were on one pontoon. They were leaned back. They were whooping it up. I think they were doing it on purpose because we were, we were out there in the bay just dead in the water because we didn't know how to get our sail into the wind. So the little experience that I had with the catamarans, we're, you know, we're on the same equipment, we're, we're the same place, it's, it's all the same, and, and we're having this totally different experience. I've seen that in church, in my work as a pastor. I see, I see people who are in the same circumstances having very different experiences. I see people who are under a ton of pressure at work, and some people that pressure, just, it, just, it just pushes them down, and they become frustrated and angry and it is hurtful to them and the stress is it takes a toll on their close personal relationships. And there's some other people who are under the same kind of pressure and they feel the weight of that but, but instead of it being damaging to relationships and hard on them, they, they make it through those intense seasons. They have, they have peace and they have hope as they go through that. I see parents who are struggling with kids and everybody's hurt by that. But but some parents, it, it turns into to frustration and bitterness and hurts the marriage and hurts the relationship with the kids. And other parents, they seem to stick together in it and, 
and are able to navigate that with their children so that everybody comes out on the other side enjoying life and peace. See, Christian people, church people, come to the same worship service, participate in the same kind of life group, sign up and serve somewhere. They're doing the exact same things. And some of those people, year after year, have the exact same experience. They succumb to the same temptations, they have the same stress, there's just no growth. And other of those people seem to be walking in, in a new victory every, every month and they're, they're living better and, and deeper. And, and how is it that you could have the same circumstances but very different Christian spiritual experiences? So the answer to that question, how you could, how you could have same circumstances, different experiences, it all really boils down to your relationship with God and how you know him and how you experience him and whether you know how, spiritually speaking, to, to get your spiritual sail up into spiritual wind. So Jesus was having this conversation one day with a guy named Nicodemus. This is in the Gospel of John chapter three. And Jesus makes this statement as he's talking through with Nicodemus and he says this to him, he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So this little conversation is where that phrase being born again comes from. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus that you know the first time you're born, that's you're born from your mom, and then the second time to be born, spiritually born, you're born of the Spirit. This is, this is a work of God that happens in your life. And as Jesus is beginning to talk about this, I love, the, I love the idea that, first of all, your spiritual life is a direct result of the work of the Holy Spirit, but I love, this, I love this word picture that Jesus uses. He says the work of the Spirit, this being born, what he does in you and in your life, it's like the wind. You, you, can't, you can't tell where it's coming from, you can't, like you can hear it, but you cannot see it unless it's blowing trees. You don't know, like you just don't know, and so this is how it goes. This is how spiritual life goes. Now, we have more sophistication, scientific sophistication, more learning now than the people that Jesus was first talking to, but we still don't know anything more about the wind than what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. We can't manufacture the wind. We can't, we can't tell it where to go. All we can do, we can predict it and we can kind of, we can, we can harness it in some ways, but, but when that wind is blowing, the best we can do is to get our sail up into it and let it carry us along. And so we're gonna be talking for a little bit about like the Holy Spirit as this, as this wind of God and the difference that he can make in your life, in my life. I wanna talk to you for several weeks about how to get your, really your spiritual sail up into the wind so that, so that you could be in the same circumstances and have a totally different experience because of the wind of the Spirit of God and how he's blowing and you being able to engage with him, engage in your life. That's what this series is all about. So I wanna remind us of basic Christian truth. This is a little bit of theology for you. This, this picture here is the it's a traditional symbol of the Trinity. So 
One of the distinctives of Christianity is the doctrine of the Trinity, the truth statement that God is one and eternally exists in three persons. So if that makes you scratch your head, you are not alone. We all scratch our head over this. Nobody fully understands this. There have been books that have been written that are titled Understanding the Trinity and that title is misleading because the author does not understand it and the person who reads the book when they finish do not understand it either. So I would recommend a different title to you. Michael Reeves is an author and he's written a beautiful little book that's called Delighting in the Trinity. And instead of trying to foster the idea that somehow you're gonna be able to wrap your brain around this and understand this deal. It's like, here's, here's this truth, and here's where you can celebrate and delight who God is as one God in three persons. So these three persons of this Trinity, God the Father, we're, we're pretty comfortable with the idea of a father. Now, you may not like the idea of a father based on your experience, but we still understand what Father is, and so we can connect to God the Father, and we know that he's, he is sovereign, and we have a frame of reference for a king who is on the throne over his kingdom. There's, we can't fully understand God, but, but the idea of God the Father is not, it's not hard for us to really, you know, to grasp that. And then Jesus, the Son, I mean, we, as Christian people, like we, we get Jesus, we, we know that he became one of us. I mean, we celebrate his birthday like we celebrate the birthday of a friend or of ourselves. We, we celebrate Jesus's birthday. We take communion because he gave his body and shed his blood so that we could have life. He walked, like we, we are, he is one of us. He's son of God and son of man. And so we we get Jesus. And when you move to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that's where we begin to lose a little bit of the familiarity. We, we don't know so much about the Holy Spirit. We don't really have as much a frame of reference for him and for what his work is like. The, the biblical images of God the Holy Spirit are things like oil and fire and wind like we just read, and they're things that you can't really grab a hold of, and they're things that you just... It's hard for us to, to catch and to capture this idea of God the Holy Spirit. And so, so we don't spend as much time. And then you add on to that the, the different abuses and the, the extremes that are present in Christian teaching. And, and for many of us, the idea of, of the Holy Spirit is, even if we shake our head yes, that we believe in this thing, the idea of the Holy Spirit is, is actually foreign to us. It's, it's difficult to understand. It's very unclear. So Jesus made this statement that I think will help bring a little more clarity to the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse seven, Jesus is talking to his followers. It's that same dinner where he had communion. This is the last night. And he's letting them know that, that there's about to be a, a sweeping change in his relationship with them and he is headed back to heaven to be with his father. And so he says this, very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, who's the Holy Spirit, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him 
to you. So there are a few things that we should notice in this little statement here that I think are helpful to us about the Holy Spirit. Um, the first one is Jesus is talking about a person. He's, even though the biblical image is of fire and oil and wind, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force, it's not an energy, it's not an it, it's a he. He's, he's a person. And if you walk that out through the scriptures, you see that the Holy Spirit has a will, he has a mind, he has emotions, He's, he is a person, and so we relate to him like he's a person. Jesus refers to him as the advocate, and I think this is, this is a great title for the Holy Spirit when you think about what an advocate does. An ad, advocate stands beside you. He's with you. An advocate is for you. An advocate is a counselor and a comfort and a guide, and this is the Holy Spirit that Jesus says he's, he is your advocate. And then there's this really startling statement that Jesus makes. He says, it's, it's for your good that I'm gonna leave because if I stayed, the Holy Spirit, the advocate couldn't come. I'm, it's better for you that I go so that I can send the Spirit. It's better for you that you have the Holy Spirit with you rather than having me, Jesus, with you. And I think about that a little bit. Because there are times, like, if Jesus was with me, I think it would be really helpful. <laughs> you know? I, I would be, um, I could probably be way more patient if Jesus were standing next to me. I'd probably be nicer to Marie at different points. I, if I was in a conversation with somebody who was angry with me or was cranky about things and Jesus was standing next to me, I think they'd be a whole lot nicer to me in that moment. I, in the difficult seasons of life, difficult circumstances where, where things are heavy or feel like it's too much, that if, if Jesus would just, if he was there and he would just put his hand on my shoulder and tell me, hey, it's gonna be all right, we're, this, you're gonna get through this? That, that, that seems to me like that would, be, that would be ideal. And yet Jesus looks at his first followers and says to you and me that it's better for us that he's not physically present because it allows him to send the advocate, his spirit, to come and be with us. And so we, as Christian people, get to live in this reality of better than Jesus being here. And, and just this little statement, I think, for us to hang on to, the advocate, the advocate, the reason Jesus says this is the advocate, the Holy Spirit, is quite literally God in us. Jesus the name the Bible gives to him, Emmanuel, is God with us. The advocate, as he comes, is God in us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Scripture just asks this question. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in in you, and you have received him from God, and you do not belong to yourself. The advocate is quite literally God living in 
you. And it's only for Christian people, it's for people who put their trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And there is, there is a real and practical implication of that. Because it is better for you that Jesus goes and sends his spirit, and the spirit is quite literally God in you, Christian people then should have high expectations regarding their Christian life. Now, I don't know what your expectations regarding your Christian life are, but, but Christian people should have high expectations regarding their Christian life. Francis Chan in his book, Forgotten God, he, said, he writes this, he says, if I told you that I had an encounter with God and God himself entered into me for the purpose of making me a basketball player, we would both expect dramatic improvement in things like dribbling, passing, shooting, jumping, guarding. Those would be legitimate expectations. Now, we know the Holy Spirit hasn't entered into us for the purpose of making us better basketball players. He's entered into us for the purpose of giving us Jesus' life, and so as Christian people, we should have really high expectations for our Christian life. So I wanna just kinda take you on a little journey through the scriptures and give you a sampling of, of what you could expect, what you could experience if your spiritual sail was full and catching the spiritual wind of the Spirit of God. So few things that just jump out to me that are most comforting to me, I think. The first one is you could expect presence, security, and peace. Again, Jesus is talking about it's better for you guys if I go because I'm gonna send the advocate to you. You could, you could expect to live in the presence of God and to be not just, not just like knowing that we all live in the presence of God because he's everywhere, but the known, experienced presence of God. So this psalmist is writing in Psalm 139, verses seven two through 10, he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Like if I am trying to get away from you, where could I go? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far sides of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me, and your right hand will hold me fast. It's just this beautiful picture of, of the inability that you and I have to escape the presence of God, and even there on the far side of everything, even there, like the Spirit of God, who is God's right hand, who is his presence, who is our security, he, he has a hold of you. Romans chapter eight, verse 16. The spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. As, as a believer in Jesus, you, you have the right to know that you're a child of God. And not just to know that intellectually, not just to know that because somebody like me is standing up somewhere and saying that to you, but to know that in the deepest parts of who you are, and it's not because it comes from you, it's because it comes from the Spirit of God who lives inside of you, who is, who is declaring to you that you belong to him, that you're one of his. No matter what the circumstances are, you could expect this presence, this 
this known, this experienced presence of God, this security that his right hand is holding you fast, that the peace that comes with knowing you, no matter what's happening here, I belong to, like I'm a child of God and he's, he's got me. And so you, you, could, you could expect that. You could expect truth in your life. Jesus says this in John chapter 16, verse 13. He says, when he, the spirit of truth, he actually calls the Holy Spirit, this advocate, when he's with us and for us, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Capital T, truth, God's truth, because he's, he's God, the Holy Spirit, and so he's not gonna guide you into any other kind of truth. Capital T, truth. You and I live in a culture that, that says things to us and says it with such confidence and such volume and such, like it's really easy to, to believe the things that are being said out in our culture. Some of them are real and some of them are just flat out lie. And as a person who has God, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you could have really, you should have really high expectations that you would, you would see through what is not true and know the truth to live in it. When I think about the kinds of things that are being said in our culture, the things that are being said to our kids about where they came from, who they are, who they belong to, what their future can, can't be, like the kinds, of, the kinds of statements that are being said to our kids, our kids who are, our kids who are children of God should be able to see through that. This, we should have high expectations for ourselves as, as grownups who love them and for these kids that we know who, whose they are and what he has for them, like capital T truth, because the spirit of truth leads and guides us into all truth. We should have really ex high expectations that we would know what is true about who God is, about who we are, about how we relate to him, about how he would have us walk. Like, we should expect that. So truth is another thing that we should have high expectation about. Um, prayer, prayer. This is, this is always a sticky one in Christian circles when we talk about prayer. How do we pray? How much do we pray? What do we pray about? Do we pray enough? Do we have to get more people to pray? We have, we have so many questions, and how do we have enough discipline to actually do it? All those, all those things in, as we think and talk about prayer. So God the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of us, in Romans chapter eight, starting in verses 36 and 37, we're told in the same way, the Spirit, the advocate, helps us in our weakness. And here's the weakness he's talking about. We don't know what we ought to pray for. That's, if, you, if that's your experience and you don't know what you should pray for, prayer is a weakness for you, like you are in great company. It's true of all of us. He helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So God the Father who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because God is one in three persons. He knows the mind of the Spirit, he knows our hearts, and the things that you and I need to be praying for, if we pray, God the Holy Spirit takes care of that for us from there. He will, he will intercede for you, he will, 
he will speak the words to God the Father that need to be spoken. You and I can, like there's so much freedom that comes in prayer just knowing this, that God the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit takes care of it. So if, if you will pray, he will make sure the right things make it past the ceiling into the throne room of God and, and he will make sure, he will shape your prayers over time. And, and you, you could have high expectations, not just about like the confidence that you have in being a person who prays, but also in, in knowing the answer to those prayers. Like hearing God's answer to your prayers because the, the Spirit lives inside of you and the Father and the Spirit share a mind and the Spirit talks to your spirit so he would, he would talk to you about your prayers and about what God's answer for your prayers are and about how you should pray because he's a person. We relate to him like he's a person and so we should have really high expectations about what our prayer life looks like because the advocate has come to not be just with us but to be in us. And so we have high expectations about prayer. And this last thing for our time together this weekend, power. Power, like spiritual power. I don't know if you think about this. I don't know if you think about, about having spiritual power, about being a person who, who, because of the Spirit's work in your life and work through you, would, would be able to change the spiritual temperature of the place that you are. Of, of being a person who, who speaks into and speaks over difficult circumstances, who God uses to bring things that are unexplainable into, into the lives of the people who are around you. That, that's the kind of power we're talking about. So Jesus says to his followers right before he heads back to heaven, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and with this power, you're going to be my witnesses, and then he says Jerusalem, right here where we are right now, Judea and Samaria, which is just kinda you know, right there, and then to the ends of the earth. So you and I are here this weekend participating in these worship services because the Spirit of God and his power came on that first group of people, and they took this good news about Jesus to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and we weren't even a thought, the ends of the earth. We're here because of this spiritual power that God the Holy Spirit gave to that first group of people, and that power that they had, you have. Because what they were called to, you and I have been called to. And we've been called to it, but not, but not in a powerless, like, hey, good luck, <laughs> you know? You guys, you guys go do this spiritual activity and you go do it in your own strength. You figure it out, let's see what happens. That's that not at all what, what you and I have been, we have been given God the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, we have received power. We've received spiritual power to, to do and to be everything that God has called us to do and to be. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse seven. For the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, 
and love and self-discipline. So these things that are of, of first and are of utmost importance that have been in the call that you have received in your life of, of what it takes to live out, just in our culture, what it takes just to live out a little bit of your faith. It, it doesn't come from you. It's, it's not something that you have inside of you. If you're gonna, if you're gonna take a self-empowerment stand and I'm gonna be a Christian because I'm gonna do this, it's, it's gonna be, you're gonna be me and my buddy who didn't know how to get our sail into the wind. You're, just gonna, you're gonna be out there, but nothing's happening. The spirit that God gave you does not make you timid. He gives you power and love and self-discipline so you can, you can run into who God has made you to be and what he has given you to do with, with confidence, with hope, and with joy. You and I, should have, we should have high expectations for our spiritual life. And so I, I submit to you that these these things that the advocate does, this wind that blows wherever it wants to, we can't, we can't create that wind, we can't direct that wind. This wind that blows wherever it wants to, we, we can't really even tell where it's coming from or where it's gonna end up. But if we would get our sail up into that wind, these are the kinds of things that would be true about our lives. And, and we could be the people who are in the same circumstances but having the up on one pontoon, lean back, hooping and hollering because of the wind and knowing how to be in the wind and power that the wind's bringing into. We could be the people who have, who have the same circumstances as, as those who are around us. But instead of living in pain and under pressure and with broken relationships and, and with hurt and inflicting hurt on other people, we could be the people who live with, with life and health and wholeness and joy and peace, power, to, to make a big, lasting difference in the lives of the people who are around us. These are the kinds of things that God the Holy Spirit will make a reality in our lives. So for the next several weeks, we're gonna to talk together about how to position your spiritual sail so that you can catch the wind of God the Holy Spirit as he blows in and through your life, your circumstances into the lives of the people who are around you. So to kind of help you get ready for that these next couple of weeks, I have, I have an, a two, an assignment, two things for you to do. The first thing, is to, to compare your expectations, these expectations we've talked about today, to compare these expectations with your experience. So what we've said that you could, if God the Holy Spirit came inside of you to make you this kind of person, compare your experience with these expectations and begin talking to God about that. I don't know if there's a little gap, no gap, a big gap for you in your life, but whatever, whatever you're experiencing along with these expectations that the Bible has given to us, that Jesus has said, we can, we can expect the advocate living in us, like begin to talk with God about that experience. And then there are two major sections of the Bible that talk about 
the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I encourage you and challenge you to read these a couple times in this next week. So the first one is in the Gospel of John, chapter 14 through 16. So that's, that's Jesus's, it's the upper room discourse. Talked about it a couple times in here. This is, this is Jesus talking about, hey, I'm leaving, the Spirit's coming, and this is who he is and what he can do for you. So Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 16, and then also in the New Testament, a couple of books over, Romans chapter eight. There's a beautiful discussion about what life looks like when we live it in the power of God, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of us. And as you do that, the Lord will begin to show you where your sail needs to be so that he can blow his wind in it and you can live under full sail. And I'm excited about this series for us. So I wanna wrap up our time together today with a prayer. I can't remember who wrote it. It's not from me, but it is a, it is a beautiful prayer asking for the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And what I'm gonna offer you the opportunity to do, if this is something that you are interested in, God the Holy Spirit working in your life, if you just, you can just turn your hands over to receive what God wants to give you in this little time of prayer. So will you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? Generous God, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask that we may be strengthened to serve you better. We thank you for the wisdom of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to make us wise to understand your will. We thank you for the peace of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to keep us confident of your love wherever you call us. We thank you for the healing of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to bring reconciliation and wholeness where there is division, sickness, and sorrow. We thank you for the gifts of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to equip us for the work which you've given us. We thank you for the fruit of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to reveal in our lives the love of Jesus. We thank you for the breath of your Holy Spirit given by the risen Lord. We ask you to keep the whole church living and departed in the joy of eternal life. Generous God, as you sent your Holy Spirit upon your Messiah at the River Jordan and upon the disciples in the upper room, in your mercy, fill us with your spirit. And everybody said, amen. Thank you guys for being here this weekend. It has been amazing to be with you. I love you guys. Have a great week. I'll see you next weekend.